When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Lori and Julia show here on MyTalk 1071. Everything entertainment. We're streaming live at MyTalk1071.com. Now, don't get too nervous. Don't get too concerned that you're not hearing the voice of Donnie Love. I know it's discombobulating, but Donnie Love is out, as is Julia. So I'm here. Holly's here. And Sonny's here, and Miss Lori Bargini is here holding down the fort. It's you. ladies' afternoon. It is ladies' <laughs> afternoon, and it really is kind of uh, amazing because Donnie does very Everything. seldom take a vacation. Yeah, it, it it is it is unnerving when we, Donnie is out of the office and he's not eating his tuna lunch at twelve noon, <laughs> and he is not going to take his nap. I, no. you know, it just it just leaves us. It leaves this void. Shady, shady, Ollie. <laughs> I say with love for Donnie. I know it. So he, you know, Donnie's mom passed away mm-hmm. uh, earlier this winter. And so he was, his brother lives in Spokane, which is where his mom lives. So Donnie went with his kids and they're having a, you know, a memorial service mm-hmm. for her. Because that's what she wanted to have something in the spring. And so, yeah, he was gone. And then Julia is also on the West Coast. She is in Seattle. What is she doing in Seattle? Just visiting a girlfriend, and she's like, okay, what can I do that would be different? And every time Julia ever goes to Seattle, I always tell her, you got to go to the Experience Music Project, oh, which is yeah. Paul Allen's Music Museum. They call it now the Museum of Pop Culture, but Ooh. Paul Allen from Microsoft, he started it because he's like this huge music fan. It's mm-hmm. right where the Space Needle is. Nice. So it's like right in kind of in the center of town. Kind of, yeah. And so she did uh, send me, and it's really a wild looking, I don't know who the heck um, designed ah. it, but it's a, it looks like a... Like a trip that somebody designed while on mushrooms or something. It's <laughs> nice. a real strange looking, but it's really cool. They had, I don't know if they still do, but they had a room devoted to First Avenue. They have a big, huge stage where you can pick different songs, whatever band, and then you and your family or friends, you get up on stage and they recreate with lights and the music. Oh, wow. And instruments so you can feel like what it's like to be a rock star in front of 18,000 people. That's oh, cool. that's cool. So that is cool. They probably have a lot of grunge. Of course, the Seattle sound. Jimmy they had Hendrix, a big whole thing, Louie Louie, because oh. the Kingsmen were from Seattle. But it's it's a it's a four, 140,000 square feet, and it was designed by Frank Gehry. So it's going to look spectacular. So like the Weissman, you know, it kind of looks like this crumpled up, but it's 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 really cool. There's a lot of, you know, Nirvana stuff, and um, it's totally a worthwhile museum. So Julia was at that, and she said She's me, rocking out. She's rocking out, yeah. She was going to go to the Chihuly Glass Museum in Tacoma, and I said, and make your friend be an I-5 traffic in the afternoon heading north to ah. Seattle. 
This is my other hometown sign. Yeah, I'm listening. I'm learning. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, don't do that. That's really mean. That's um, very mean to have anybody in traffic. And, and Seattle, I think, is now like rivals L.A. for congestion. Really? Yeah, that I-5 corridor is just, it, it kind of, as you get into downtown Seattle coming from Tacoma, it narrows down to that, you know, that icky sticky wicket that we have where you go from 394 into 94 for yeah. down yeah. and it comes Man. down to that narrow the shoot. traffic mm-hmm. does the fat guy in a little coat <laughs> and it's just trying to wiggle your way through that's what happens on i-5 heading into uh mm. seattle if you're coming from the south so it's yeah. the same kind of a thing but okay so um so anyway, those kids will be back on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I want to just give a shout out because tomorrow, June first, the Basilica Block Party tickets go up in oh. price. So today is your last day until midnight to buy your tickets. City Pages called this uh, the city's people voted it their favorite music fest. Now, Lori, you I go every the can- year. The cancer, the birthday month that you have, you've already secured your tickets. You're yeah. ready to go. I don't even care who's going to play there. But this well, year, I do like the lineup. But I mean, to me, it's just the vibe, the feeling, the people. Can and I tell you I, something? Yeah, I'm performing there. You yeah. are you on the uh, are so you, lady, details lady, details Lady Lark Lady Lark. I was I'm, just going to performing say, there. Yeah. Oh, Sonny, that's amazing <laughs> because we. I love the the. Is it the, still the Star Tribune mm-hmm. stage? I love uh, the bands. I always make some good new discoveries. So I was going to say, yeah, uh, Kid Dakota, Lady Lark, mm-hmm. Easy Eyes are some of the local bands. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't. I didn't even know you guys are talking about it on my talk. I didn't even know. Yeah, yes. they just, say, they just an- say we booked a gig and I show up. Yeah, <laughs> well, I know it's another radio station thing, but it is just really as far as a music fest. So tickets right now are sixty dollars for one day wow. and one hundred and ten for two days, and tomorrow the prices uh, go up by. Um, to 75 and 125. So if you're going to oh go, goodness. today's the day. And um, Oh, there's lots of fantastic Oh, yeah, bands. Jason Fit- is uh, Jason Isabel, Cake. Um, Fits in the Tantrums. Mm. Andy, Andy Grammer. Grammer. I lo- the Revolution is playing. Prince is banned from Purple Rain. Um, I'm interested in seeing um, Bournes, who they played the Palace Theater earlier this year, and Aussie Roots Rocker, John Butler Trio, and they've been popular out at the Minnesota Zoo. And Delta Ray, which she is a really kind of a folk, rocky, really good. I saw her at Bonnaroo like four years ago. We Great. made our discovery of Delta Ray. <laughs> so anyway, that's the Basilica Block Party. And uh, so you, you want to get your tickets in. That is the, July 6th and 7th. And it's mm. the 24th annual. Yeah. Fantastic. It's part of summer. Uh-huh. It is part of summer. And uh, so that is going on. And then I'm obsessed with this new Maroon 5 song. (laughs) Have you guys watched the video or taken a look at this? I haven't. This is my first time. Okay, just came out, I think, today. And this is Maroon 5 uh, featuring Cardi B. And the video is really incredible because it's just Adam Levine standing singing this song called Girls Like You. And then as the sort of the little thing he's on spins around, it's different women. And, I mean, it's Tiffany Haddish. It's um, Really? It's our Minnesota House member, Ilan Omar, you know, the Somalian yes. woman. Rita Ora, this immigrant activist, uh, Angie Rivera, Ellen DeGeneres, Jennifer Lopez, wow. Chloe Kim, Mary J. Blige, so Ellie like Raisman, anybody who's All everybody. kinds of women representing all kinds of women. So can we hear that song? Yeah. All right. 
Gal Gadot. I mean, it's just really, it's all walks of life. TV, sports, comedy, you know, music. It's really a cool. And Cardi very B is, creative. Isn't it good? Yeah. Cardi B is very excited about it. I was going to redo her thing, but she always likes to throw in some good, <laughs> good verbal F Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately the yeah, FCC okay. is not yeah. Cardi B friendly. But anyway, Cardi, I, I love this song. I, I'm, I'm really, I just thought, let's start off with some happy news, shall Thank we? Thank you, I agree. Summer song. Thank you. And get your Basilica Block Party tickets to, by midnight tonight, people. When we come back, it's our story we can't get enough of. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Thursday. Sonny is filling in for Donnie Love. Holly's filling in for Julia. And your old regular standby is here. Lori Lori is playing the part of Lori today. Hey, Sonny, I wanted to ask you when we were talking about the Basilica Block Party and some of the local acts that Uh are played in your band, Lady Lark. Lady Lark, yes. What kind of music do you guys play? It's like, it sounds like 90s music, but it's pop and R&B and a little bit of rock. And and what is your role in the band? I am a background singer slash dancer. Oh, fun. (laughs) The funny thing about how how I got into Lady Lark, my sister and I have our own little group and they heat the one of the uh, instrumentalists or we'll call him the the guitar player yeah. he heard us singing with somebody else at first ave like early last year yeah and they said you guys sound good and so they had like a bunch of these shows lined up in june and they said do you want to sing and we were at first like no because they wanted us to know they wanted us to memorize 10 songs and my sister and i was like i don't know if we can do it and then something we were both like i don't know maybe we should say yeah Yes. And we did, and we have we traveled out to Pandora in California last year and performed there. We have headlined First Avenue twice. Fun, yeah. So, so what night are you, is Lady Lark playing at the Basilica? I I have to look. You don't my know. Guy. Okay. Yeah, I have to look. But I know we're I know we're playing it. He he usually Orin is our is our manager, yeah. and he usually text messages us and say, "Hey, are you free?" Yeah. Okay. And we've like we have a so really you know busy you're summer. Playing the sixth or we know we're of playing. July. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. And is that your next gig? That it. One second. Let me oh, let me yeah. double check the calendar. Calling me out. <laughs> yeah, I know. We just have so many questions. We just we just did memory the memory lanes block oh, yeah. party. Yeah, we just did that one. And yeah, the sixth of of July. Okay, that's so Friday night. Mm-hmm. You'll be yep, playing. that's us. All yeah. right, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're getting excited. We have been excited around here um, ever since we heard about Ocean's Eight happening, and of course the movie is opening next week, June eighth, and. Um, Anne Hathaway, stop on the Today Show next week. The entire cast is going to be making some round-robin interviews. Oh, fun. But Anne Hathaway, you know, it has been, oh, you know, <laughs> it's been a long time since we've seen Anne Hathaway in a movie. It really has. And I, for one, am glad to see her back. And she is playing, she plays 
this woman, Daphne something. She's this glamorous actress who gets caught up in the robbery that is being planned by Danny Ocean's younger sister, Debbie Ocean, played by Sandra Bullock. That's a creative uh, segue, isn't that? (laughs) And so uh, let's see. Let's play the first cut where she talks about the cast. Talk about the cast in this movie. Please. Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, mm-hmm. Mindy Kaling, Sarah Paulson, Rihanna, Helena Bonham Carter, among others. It's just a wow cast. Did you say Rihanna? I said Rihanna. Said of Rihanna. course. Rihanna. Think about what was it like, very first day of shooting, looking around at this incredible mm. bunch of strong women. What was that like? Oh, man, it was incredible. It, I mean, just, I, I didn't want to miss a minute of it. So normally, if I've worked with people I've admired, like, like these women yeah. in the past, I, I maybe would have felt like, oh, I, I don't want to... I don't want to annoy anybody or I don't want to make too much of a fuss or I don't want to make the wrong impression. And this one, I was like, I want to look at the view. I want to enjoy it. I want to take every single, I want to miss a minute of this one. And so I just was like, what if you, I don't know, just could be friends with them. What if you were enough today? You know what's funny? A lot and, of I, people- and I let it be that. Mm. So, mm-hmm. and of course, um, you know, Kate Blanchett, Rihanna, Mindy Kaling, all the, Sarah Paulson, and Aquafina, who we're going to see in Crazy Rich Asians. Yep. Um, so uh, you've got, uh, you know, these eight different women. And as I said, Sandra Bullock plays Debbie Ocean, a.k.a. Danny Ocean, Ocean, George Clooney's little sister. And she's the mastermind. And she's been thinking of this heist for five years that she's been in jail. Kate Blanchett plays her BFF. So she's like the Brad Pitt character. Yes, and then Sarah this movie. Paulson plays Debbie Ocean's old crime partner in crime before she went to prison. Aquafina is the crook extraordinaire. Rihanna plays Nineball, the computer whiz, and Mindy Kaling is the costume jewelry maker. Because there's probably going to be a switch out. And then, like I said, Anne Hathaway, this glamorous actress who gets caught up in the robbery because she has a mischievous streak. And she's very clueless and very hung up on herself. Ah, So mm. here's Anne Hathaway talking about some of the stories about, you know, can you ever have a group of women starring together without the media saying, ah, they're fighting. It's been really amazing yeah. to watch kind of the way certain members of the media have wanted us to fight each other and the way they wanted there to be competition and they yeah. wanted there to be cat fights. But we were all collaborating, you know, all the time. It just and now we're friends and it's just we genuinely love each other and we're so there for each other. Like it's it's a beautiful thing. Uh, now you're and that's actually I think what female friendship is. Yes. That's what it has been in my life. And I don't know why I thought that it couldn't be that at work, I guess, because I was fed this myth. But I, I, I mean, but we all have had an experience that disproved it, you know? I- and by the oh media. Sh- Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. She's meaning like a page six. Yes. Or, you know, the gossipy stuff in National Enquirer. And of mm. course, that's just, I, you would think that kind of women in Hollywood be used used to that, but I like that they are fighting it back and they're mm-hmm. talking about it. Because sometimes on these press things, they're like, don't, we don't even want to address it. Don't bring it up. Right. Well, and, I, like and they're addressing it. And I think that with this movie, with Ocean's 8, at least they haven't been selling the movie using those kinds of stories in the, yes. in the back way, the TMZ, the way, again, the page six way, right. which to create drama and interest in the movie. Yeah. And the, and the women that are part of the heist, their, their, uh, loot is sixteen million a piece? Mm. A piece? A piece mm. is what they're each oh. what what their paycheck is. So I you need can to change my friend. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Okay, let's play the next one uh, about haters backing off. I, it sounds kind of sad to say. I just wanted to be able to enjoy my summer and let everybody know that I'm living in my body and I'm happy with my body. Mm-hmm. And um, if my body is different than what you're used to or what you think it should be. That's yours, and my experience is mine, and I'm loving it. So, and she was talking about that Instagram post she put yeah. up about a month ago where she was saying, Yeah, I'm working out, I'm gaining weight for a movie. Haters back off, don't criticize me. So, she Isn't was that getting just ahead sad of that the you game. even have to say that, that, right? Well, because she knew that that was going to happen right. and she got, ahead, got of ahead, of ahead of it. Okay, okay, well, here, play the next one where she talks about fat shaming in Hollywood. All the time, yeah. all all the time, and and you know, in kind of the ways where it's overt, and people say things to you, and then there's kind of you know micro ones where people, and, and then there's this this one one of the, my favorite things about what's happening in this moment, yeah, is that uh, a lot of us are, are are looking at the language that we use to choose, and we're becoming more conscious about it. So maybe someone thought that it wasn't a big deal to say to a 16 year old, "This was what happened to me. Congratulations, you got the part. You can't gain any more weight." They said that? Yeah, maybe they thought that that, you know, they were giving me some good advice. But now, 20 years later, I'm able to say, like, I actually think that could have been done more consciously and more loving. And it left me feeling confused. And, um, and yes, yeah, so I think that we're all learning how to communicate. Maybe not all of us, but yeah. a lot of us are learning, are, are taking up this opportunity to become more conscious and more loving in the way we communicate with each other, more compassionate. Well- Oh, oh and she's all so grown up. Uh, so articulate and, and eloquent about it. But it's true. It the is. way that you say things matters. Yeah. Yeah, boy, just ask Roseanne Barr that. Yeah, I was going to say, if there is a lesson to this week is yeah. what you say matters. Yeah, yeah. Although, although I have not uh, liked this false equivalency that's been being drawn between Samantha being oh. name-calling oh. Oh. and Roseanne Barr yeah. being a racist. Yeah. That's yes. two different things. Yes. We got vulgarity. Two, vulgarity is and one thing. And hate speech. Yes, that's is one thing, thing is different from racist and likening uh, people of color to animals, to apes, gorillas. It's just, there's no room for it. We're done with it. Oh, the dumpster fire enough. that's going on We've right said now. enough. All right, we come back. We're going to... Everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, Holly filling in for Julia, Sonny filling in for Donnie. And we are just uh, excited beyond words to have Madeline Miller joining us for her novel, Circe. And uh, Madeline, oh my gosh, you take our breath away with your book. Well, thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. You know how we found out about your book, because I had not read Song of Achilles 
Achilles, which I'm going to now that I've read Cersei. But we always ask our authors, what was their last favorite book that that they read? And we had about a month ago, Camilla Pagan, who wrote this book called Woman Last Seen in Her 30s. And she said that this book was, she just was like, it left me breathless. I mean, it was such a, you know, glowing review after we're done talking about her book that we're like, okay, we got to see if we can get you. So thank you. Thank you. So thank you. And now, now I'm going to go read her book. What a lovely thing for her to say. I know. Well, we're going to ask you what, I mean, you can tell us now what your last favorite book is, but it's usually our last question. So Madeline, um, you, I know the song of uh, Achilles was awarded the orange prize for fiction. It was translated in 25 languages. I feel like the same thing is going to happen with uh, Cersei. Because literally, I read this book in like two days. I could not put it down. So if you share uh, with our listeners what the book is about. Sure. So it's a a retelling of the life of the witch Circe. Um, She's most famous for appearing in Homer's Odyssey, where she turns Odysseus's men to pigs and then becomes Odysseus's lover and, and eventually helps him. But it turns out that she has this whole mythological life that has absolutely nothing to do with Odysseus. She um, is the daughter of the sun god Helio. She's the aunt of the Minotaur and the aunt of the witch Medea. Um, and so what I wanted to do was really, instead of having her be a cameo in Odysseus's story as she is in Homer, um, I wanted to tell her whole story and make Odysseus the cameo. Okay, but is the story that you tell us, is this all from your imagination? Um, some of it is. I provided a, a lot of the connective tissue. There were sort of five or six major episodes that came from myth, but every, everything else is me. Um, oh. And what I really wanted it to be is sort of a, a coming-of-age story, but with all the epic adventure, monsters and angry gods right. and love affairs and all that. <laughs> yeah, and, and Cersei, I mean, you really, I mean, she's she's really an incredible woman because she's, Basically, in her family, she's ostracized. She's speaking, I mean, you know, people are verbally abusive to her, emotionally abusive mm-hmm. to her. I mean, it, 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 she really did, does speak to you as a character. Like, I just really kind of was intoxicated with her. Well, thank you. I, you know, the, the Greek gods in mythology are truly cruel and horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're also sort of, you know, they're, they're what we would call today toxic people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so part of what I wanted to show, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, was sort of the story also, aside from all the divine and mythological aspects of a person who's born into an absolutely horrendous, selfish, and cruel family, and how they have to sort of struggle to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's what's the cost of getting out? How how do you get out? How do you sort of separate yourself from that when that's, you know, those are the only models that you have. And so I very much wanted her to be, you know, this to be the story of, of finding your family in a place other than your blood relation. Right. <laughs> sure. And that she's a very powerful woman. You know, I'm reading uh, a review of the book that the Washington Post says that uh, Cersei is a goddess for our times. And you're talking about some universal themes. Were you hoping that this story would resonate you know, with women of all ages? And that even though this is a mythological story, that there are modern parallels to maybe the lives that people are living now? 
Absolutely. I have always felt really passionately that the reason these stories have survived for so long is that they just keep telling us about ourselves. And um, so I, I very much, you know, I, I stuck to, to those major, that myth scaffolding, but I, I absolutely felt like her story speaks to our current moment in so many ways. I mean, there's family dysfunction, mm-hmm. you know, there's sort of complicated love affairs, but there's also what she's dealing with as a woman in this sort of abusive and patriarchal society. And one of the things that was very eerie for me, I started the book seven years ago, and I was in final edits as a lot of these news stories, Harvey Weinstein and others started breaking. And it was just so strange for me to be working on a scene and then check the news. And the top headline was, you know, literally about what I had just been working on, you know, women being silenced and kept from the halls of power and Mm -hmm. abused. And I think that you know, sadly, a lot of this stuff is is timeless. Yeah, um, I think we've we've made some progress, but there's still a long way to go. Yeah, well, I'm also, you know, um, like I'm. We're curious because how? I mean, you said seven years ago you started. So, is there a lot of research that you do as you let the and then you let the story come to you? Because, like, uh, my husband, who he's crazy about, he like sometimes I would say to him again now. Tell me who Prometheus is, or I would just sort of use him as a reference because he like knows all this stuff, and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you don't know right away who Prometheus is." But did you do a lot of research into your Olympians and you know Titans and all the the people? Um, I did, although not all for this book. I, okay. I'm very fortunate that I have loved classics, and I, I have a master's in classics, so okay. a lot of this stuff was sort of there, but I did do, um, one thing that I always do whenever I get stuck in a book is I go back to mythology. I go back to academics writing about the mythology and I always find something new. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about Homer is that there's always, um, there's always something new to be discovered in his world. So I, you know, the text and all these old myths were things that I sort of, they were touchstones for me. So I would always kind of cycle back to them, even though I knew, you know, the, I had the foundation. Right. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it. Ann Patchett, I know she uh, blurbs your book, and she says, uh, it, it, and I agree with her, it is a keep-you-up-all-night page-turner. And um, I think one of the things, too, is that you are a very vivid storyteller. And, I mean, you write just beautiful sentences. But I loved, and I don't know if this is an actual Prometheus quote, but it, I think it's something that we're all doing right now. We bear it as best we can. <laughs> Yeah. You yeah. know, for our times yeah. right now? Yep. Yep. Is we that just... a is that a, a real uh, quote from Prometheus or from No, that no. that was me. I'm... That was you. Okay, <laughs> that was you cuz he's up on the rock, you know, every day having the same terrible thing happen to him. I I just I I I loved it and I I don't usually do a lot of underlining of great sentences and and thoughts and stuff, but I sure did in this book. No. Thank you. Um, now, Madeline is a song of Achilles or Circe. I mean, has Hollywood come calling? Has it been optioned? So I have to, um, I'm going to be very vague about okay. what I'm saying. Ah. I may have uh, an announcement in that sort of vein um, 
soon. Okay. But I can't officially say, say anything yeah. right now. All right, oh, so we're talking. Mm-hmm. And uh, can you tell if it's, if it would be like uh, like a TV series? A like I'm thinking like series? Like Spartacus was over oh. on uh, Stars or, or Rome on Showtime like that? Or will it be on the big screen? Well, I think as as the writer, I will probably have very little control okay. over what eventually might happen. But my my wish, if I could get you know everything that I wanted, um, I I think a miniseries is is the right place for for would be the right place for both of these. I agree. Um, yeah. Stories just just because there there's so much ground to cover, um, and you know I think I mean literally with Cersei, it's you know we're dealing with millennia. Yeah. So yes. I think you need more than than two hours. <laughs> I mean, Madeline, I feel like Cersei could be like a Game of Thrones type of situation. It could be that epic. I really want your agent to hold out for a a lot of money for you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're very kind. Thank you. No, but I mean, I could see it. It has everything. It's an epic story. You've got love, war. I mean, it's just, it would be amazing. And we're going to have a big hole in our... TV hearts when Game of Thrones goes up. That's the right. Air. So what we're saying is we're very excited for a visual interpretation, no matter what that is. We know you have to be vague, but yeah. we're excited. Thank you. All right. Thank so you. Madeline, um, your book, Cersei, and it's just amazing, and I think it's doing very, very well. Um, uh, just kind of Googling and everything that's universal praise for it. But it, when you do have a time to read, I know you're out on book tour right now, but what is the last great book that you read? Um, so this is actually the the book. There, there are so many um, wonderful books, and it's always really hard because I'm, I'm often reading several books at a time. But um, <laughs> the... I think the book that I that I reread most recently was actually a reread for me. Um, I was in the UK and Virago Press had put out these wonderful new editions, um, and one of the new editions was Nora Ephron's Heartburn. Oh, which oh yeah. Been, which is a book I've loved for a long time, and it was such a beautiful edition. I bought it even though I already own it, yeah. and so I, I just reread it, and it was just it's it's just every time I read it. It's, it's just great. <laughs> yeah, she really mm-hmm. talk about also uh, another woman with a way with words. Yes, well, she and what I love about Heartburn in particular is that it's funny, but it's also so poignant and yeah. sad, and you know, she really brings out some of these kind of you know melancholy tones as well as you know being hilarious on absolutely every page. Right, um, and so it's just it's this beautiful, perfect mixture. Yeah, yeah. it was, and and uh, if people didn't read Harper, maybe you know the movie with Meryl Streep and Carrie. Was Carrie Fisher in it? No, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson was in it. That's yes. right. yeah. So, uh, Madeline, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. And just, you know, like five stars out of five, whatever the highest rating we can give Cersei, (laughs) we give it. All the stars. Thank you. you're so kind. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and we'll we'll look forward to getting your you know the news about what happens in Hollywood with Cersei's and the Song of Achilles. Achilles. I don't know. I can't say <laughs> I that word. An update. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Thank you, Madeline. Thanks, Madeline. All right. Listen, we come back. This is happening, people. This Riviera <gasps> holiday picture that we saw of a couple in a cabana. It's happening. It's real. I'm telling Just you, I think HBO is buying Cersei. Baby. I think so. I think uh, stars at the very least. At, at the very least, but I think it's HBO because they want to have something for that Game of Thrones and the mythology and the story that they have. I mean, she's already created it. 
It would be and amazing. You, you know that she has done something because she was very being very coy yeah. about the deal that she made Madeline Miller, the yeah. author of Cersei. And the story of Achilles. The Song of Achilles. The Song of Achilles. Achilles. The Song I of Achilles. Achilles. You can't your Achilles heel. I know. Even I know. when I think of that, Achilles. it's hard for me. To it, is. it is. Achilles I, I, tendon. I know. That's what I should it's think like of. It's like patting your stomach and rubbing yeah. your head at the same time. <laughs> but, I but understand. But I just, I do think it's going to be HBO. And I'm, I mean, it, who knows when we'll ever even see it. But this would be, if it, it would be incredible television. And it is like that the game of thrones in that way epic. It's so it's epic oh. epic okay so um this is happening people is it and epic it is epic <laughs> emma stone and justin thoreau okay so they're louis vuitton or as brad gresky likes to call louis vuitton i'm not uh, that fancy Lori. Yeah, i'm not that louis fancy <laughs> Uh, Louis Vuitton. Yeah, they they're <laughs> so their media, you know, uh, brand ambassadors. Okay, so they were there for this um, Louis Vuitton cruisewear show that was in Saint Paul de Vence, which um, yesterday I talked about. It. I had the opportunity to spend an afternoon in this medieval village. Oh. It is, if you look at any photos of it, you will want to go there. It's right on the Mediterranean, and it is. <gasps> So charming and is just incredible. But anyway, Emma and Justin were there with a bunch of people. But now the bunch of people have gone and it is Justin Thoreau and Emma uh, Emma Stone in a private cabana at the Hotel Eden Rock. So okay. what you're telling me, they are in a bungalow, a private bungalow at the Eden Rock Hotel and they've been spending a lot of time together. They were spotted. Of course, they hung out at the Met Gala. Then they hung out uh, down in the East Village while Justin was being edgy and arty, not wearing his jorts. And um, <laughs> they, they, um, uh, then they went to an after party. They'd gone to this thing called the Up and Down Club. Oh, that sounds very fancy and exclusive, and I'm, we're not getting into it. They've been <laughs> happening for a while, and what is so weird to me is that the mainstream outlets, so I'll say People, Us Weekly, are struggling to identify what's happening right before their eyes. We don't have to talk in innuendo anymore. They are clearly together, and they've been happening for a while now and I don't know if there's like a like she's a, a, like she's in America's sweetheart. She and Jennifer Lawrence, but Jennifer Lawrence, they're buddies. She yes. and Emma Stone. She had her thing with seventeen years older Darinovsky. Justin Theroux was seventeen years older than her. She did date Andrew Garfield. I think you might have said that they are just friends now. Yeah, there's no the romance is over. They dated. They're out of each other's system. Right. They were spotted having lunch together out in New York City. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. But Andrew Garfield's doing a play in New York, and I feel like their relationship was on again, off again. But my theory, mm-hmm. the reason why mm-hmm. People Magazine, Us Weekly, whatnot, are not covering this relationship because I feel like they want to be in the good graces of Jennifer Aniston's publicity team. Uh, Do you think that there's something to that? Maybe we're not going to be covering Justin Thoreau's relationship because we want to be in the good graces of Jennifer Aniston uh, when we want her to be on the cover of our next beauty issue or is, exclusive interview. Is he is his romance with Emma Stone the reason why he didn't make it to her birthday party 
and then broke up. You know, they announced their breakup like three days after her birthday. They yeah. they did a movie together because if these two are alone and they clearly are mm-hmm. in these photos, then that's a thing. Yes, because when two people take off on their own without the group of friends and go to head, go ahead and share a cozy bungalow at one of the most expensive hotels in the world it is a level of intimacy that is hard to keep in the friend zone would you ladies not agree sans shirt justin thoreau is looking really nice lately well he's very buff he is very buff also he's letting go of the just for men on his beard and letting it be a little more natural yeah but his hair is still pretty dark and and looking at these photos oh yeah he his hair is shoe polish black when i saw him in person it was just like whoa jennifer is not sharing her colorist uh with him but these two both need like spf 1000 they are glasses of milk they are are very white with no tan but they are out you know if anything Mm -hmm. justin and emma working on the same project together they at least got to know each other they got extra familiar and then maybe that was one of the many reasons why justin and jennifer broke up and then now that they're officially done now they can be seen hanging out in public together all right i say go emma have some fun all right yeah have some fun with that without a shirt on okay there you go well then her friend you know jennifer lawrence uh, she uh presented at whatever the bams are i have no idea yeah i have no idea the bams uh so anyway but darren aronofsky was honored and jennifer lawrence she posed with the photo and maybe she's having girl chat with her girlfriend emma stone about the 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 ups and downs and the funs Pleasure of dating a man 17 years your senior. They're trading notes. Maybe. They they have cards. They have late night chats. I mean, she's been very quiet. I mean, she posed with him. I don't know if either of you guys saw Red Sparrow. No. That movie? No. I did not. It it wasn't officially a flop. But it wasn't a success either. I, I think it'll make it, its yeah. money on the rental, mm-hmm. the well, de- on demand. And I think it's one of those movies where Jennifer Lawrence is such a big superstar that anything that is not seen as a phenomenal hit is considered a flop, where that mm. movie would have been fine by any yeah. other movie star. But she standards. has nothing in the pipeline. I mean, she said she was going to take a break, and I give her credit. She does know how to disappear. Mm-hmm. She's not on social media. No. And she just can disappear. We haven't seen her for a while. She was supposedly, they've been working on this script about that lady who started Theranos, the blood testing company, mm-hmm. Adam McKay, the guy who did Spotlight. But this has been a couple of years they've been talking about that. So if you look at it, she's nothing in the works. Also, she's supposed to be writing that movie with Amy Schirmer. What the heck happened to that movie? Amy got married and got distracted with love and, you know, new husband. And they just put it on the sidelines for Uh, right now. I don't know. That's a disappointing excuse. Yeah. Get to work, women. Can she live? Yeah. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for hanging out with us. Now that you know that uh, Emma Stone and Justin Theroux are happening, maybe we can thank Emma Stone for him buying bathing suit trunks instead of George. George. Which, Sonny, you 